The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Chinese prosecutors have charged uh, two detained Canadians with spying in an apparent bid to step up pressure on Canada to drop a U.S. extradition request for a Huawei executive under house arrest in Vancouver. Michael Kovrig was charged on suspicion of spying for state secrets and intelligence. Michael Spavor on sp- uh, suspicion of spying for a foreign entity and illegally providing state secrets. The charges were announced by China's highest prosecutor's office in brief social media posts. Today, the Prime Minister saying Canada is, quote, very disappointed in the charges. And while he did not offer any specifics, he said Canada is doing everything it can, both privately and publicly, to put pressure on China to release both men. Uh, we are, of course, uh, disappointed uh, with the decision uh, and the next step taken by the Chinese uh, in the case of the two Michaels, and we offer uh, all our support and sympathies to uh, the families of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, who uh, are obviously uh, living a, a difficult moment today, as they have been for well over a year with the arbitrary detention of two Canadian citizens. Uh, we uh, have continued to express our uh, disappointment uh, with the Chinese decision, with the Chinese uh, detention of these two Canadians. We will continue to advocate uh, for their release, for their return to Canada, uh, while highlighting, of course, uh, that uh, we uh, we have an independent judicial system that is uh, going through its rigorous processes in a way that is separate from uh, political interference. Uh, this is an important issue that we will keep working on, not with uh, just directly with the Chinese government, uh, but uh, alongside our allies and friends around the world who are equally concerned with this arbitrary detention. With more on this and Canada's failed UN bid and what it says about this country's foreign policy, we're joined by Matthew Fisher. You will know him as an international affairs columnist and, of course, a 35-year foreign correspondent. Matthew, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And you didn't mention, but I actually lived six years in Edmonton at 113 <laughs> Jasper. <laughs> well, great spot. I didn't know that you lived in Edmonton, Matthew. How long ago was that? Oh, in the 80s when I was with the Globe and Mail. Oh, wonderful. Have you been back recently at all? Oh, yeah. I come back to see the guys I play hockey with. So I come back a few <laughs> times a year. Okay, well, next time you're in town, we'll have to know and get you right in studio. Hopefully, we'll be back in studio at that point. Uh, Matthew, we heard uh, Prime Minister Trudeau expressing displeasure that China laid charges against uh, the two Michaels, as he calls them, but would not say if Ottawa planned to get tougher against Beijing. Why isn't the Prime Minister voicing his displeasure every day about what is happening with these men? It is a disappointment to me, and I hope it is also to Canadians. Uh, I was just flabbergasted today that the most the Prime Minister could muster was that he was disappointed. He said it multiple times and would never go beyond disappointment. Our foreign policy as regards China and many other things is a complete shambles. You you, uh, mentioned the UN bid. There are reasons we failed, and that's because people don't think nearly as much of Canada as we think of ourselves. And about China, China thinks Canada's a walkover. We must not Uh forget that Prime Minister Trudeau said that he admired China's basic dictatorship. I mean, just unbelievable guff.
There is so much that I want to get to with you today. Is if we we focus on uh, on China to, to start with, and then I want to get to the UN thing, but I, I know it all kind of you know intertwines. Mr. Trudeau uh, said today that Canada continues to protest the arbitrary arrests, is still using a wide range of diplomatic measures, including enlisting the support of allies. Do we know for certain anything? specific that is being done to try to release these two men? Nothing at all. And these are bromides to say that you're concerned, to say that you're working on all levels. The fact of the matter is those two gentlemen have been held 557 days Mm. in very austere uh, circumstances. And Canada's policy of consulting and expressing disappointment has got Canada nowhere. I say now, I believe we should take off our, the gloves a little bit. Mm. It can't cause any more harm to these two men than they're facing. They're facing, and don't forget the 100% uh, conviction rate almost, they're facing 10 to 20 years in prison. So mm-hmm. uh, why aren't we tougher? Uh, many other countries are on China. And we keep getting, feeding ourselves and the world this pablum. The Prime Minister has said that uh, part of the difficulty is that China has linked Canada's arrest of um, Meng Wanzhou uh, on a U.S. extradition warrant and expect Ottawa to free her before anything can be done, before uh, these two men are set free. He says they have highlighted an independent judicial system and we can't interfere with that. Are you calling BS on that? (laughs) Well, I, I am calling BS on not specifically that, but what preceded it. The Trudeau government's policy on China has been wrong-headed since long before Ms. Meng was apprehended in Vancouver and long before the two Michaels were kidnapped by the Chinese government. We were going to have the great trade deal with China. Well, other nations fell away from that idea as they came to realize that there's nothing fair about how China does anything. Canada continued to ardently pursue a pro China policy. The harder we pursued it, I think, the more that China regarded us with contempt, that we're a pushover, that we could get what we want. So what they're talking about today is politically expedient, but it's hardly the whole story. Mr. Scheer, Andrew Scheer, the leader of the opposition, saying today that uh, Trudeau should have pulled Canadian money from uh, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank and to ban Huawei from Canada's 5G telecommunications network, as the United States and other allies have done. Uh, Do you agree with him? What else should be done? Well, I I do agree about those two things. The one about 5G is most egregious. Uh, We have been dithering about that for a couple of years. The Canadian intelligence agencies, the Canadian military have advised the government, and they are the big advisors in this, that this is a very bad thing if we allow this in. Uh, Most of our allies, especially the United States, but also a number of European countries, Australia, Japan, they want no part of 5G either. Why, with all this advice, and all this action by our allies, has Canada still not done anything about that? The bank that we support with China, uh, we also support the Asian Development Bank, which is a Japanese bank, uh, backed bank in Asia. And uh, I'd say put the money in there rather than where it is now. But the biggest thing we can do, I believe, is work with our allies. 
we are hardly strong enough to take on China over uh, them banning us from this or that, pulling their students back or their tourists, these things that will cost the Canadian economy six, eight, ten billion dollars a year. Uh, but if we are with Australia, Japan, South Korea, the Europe, and the United States collectively, we can do all kinds of things that make things difficult for China. And we've not done that at all. We've pursued our own course, and our own course has been to sort of sing Kumbaya. And singing Kumbaya has got us nowhere. It's got us nowhere at all. Uh, Kovrig and Espavor, now we know that they've been charged. They're likely to face trial, sentencing, and, and that's a process that can take years. We've seen some other cases. We've seen charges laid, some folks being held for a long time, then deported or charges being laid, and then nothing done for a long time. What do you anticipate the future for these two men? W what does that look like right now? Well, extremely gloomy. If uh, the decision on extradition, which also is a very slow process in Canada, if it is rendered in the next year or two, the justice minister can still intervene and throw it out and allow Miss Meng to go home. I think that would cause all kinds of problems for Canada at home and with its allies. But that is one possibility, and then presumably they'd go free. Otherwise, they will be convicted. And after the conviction, probably a few years after the conviction, on some other matter, some kind of deal will be made for a prisoner swap. But it is awful because these men are innocent. It is awful mm -hmm. because the terms, the degrading terms of their imprisonment. But the, that is what they and their families face. And I think Canadians are fed up with China. An Angus Reid poll showed it. And the government is far behind in realizing Canadians really don't want to be China's best friend like the guys in Ottawa thought we would be. We're talking with Matthew Fisher this afternoon, an international affairs columnist, a 35-year foreign correspondent and former Edmontonian. Uh, we're talking about uh, China. We're talking about uh, this uh, failed bid by Prime Minister Trudeau to get that temporary seat on the UN uh, Security Council. Matthew, you wrote a scathing op-ed um, in the last 24 hours and pretty much starts, you, you say, for Canada's candidacy to not even make it to the second round of battle balloting against two minnows with shark's teeth, Norway and Ireland, is a sharp lesson to all those Canadians who travel abroad and confuse polite smiles for great affection and respect for our country. Clearly, we are neither so great nor as loved as we or our Prime Minister think we are. Um, you came out swinging in this article. You're, can you, you know, expand a little bit more on this? Or do we have an overinflated view of ourselves as 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 Canadians and where we stand in in the world? Well, as you mentioned at the outset, I, I've lived abroad for 35 years, and I've always been struck when I meet Canadians by how they think we have such a great reputation overseas. I don't think we have a bad reputation. Nobody, I think, hates us. It's really more that we don't have a reputation at all. And, and so we start from behind uh, with other countries such as Ireland and Norway. We got really skunked in this UN vote. Uh, the, uh, to, the Harper government got us to the third round. The Harper government uh, got more votes in the first round by about eight 
than the Trudeau government did when uh, uh, the Harper government did for this in 2010. And uh, uh, all of this suggests that Canada is not back. You will, I'm sure, recall in 2015, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, then in the opposition, said that Canada was coming back. We were going to do a lot, and we were going to make a difference in humanitarian aid. We are going yep. to make a difference in peacekeeping. We didn't. We haven't at all. You had said that the first mistake was to build Canada's reputation around that of the Prime Minister. You said the world does not see him as many Canadians do. And I just had a text that came in from one of my uh, listeners saying, do you think that any of the scandals surrounding Trudeau and the Trudeau government over the past number of years uh, played a role in, in not getting that seat? I absolutely do, although it was hardly mentioned in Canada in the last day or two. But absolutely, yes, if you are, uh, direct the reader towards the piece, he will see. Uh, we don't think there were consequences for that song and dance Bollywood routine in India. Well, there were. The Indians found the Trudeau approach extremely condescending. The whole idea of that trip was to promote closer ties and trade with India. It was over the moment the Prime Minister did that. The Prime Minister wore blackface three times, once when he was 29 years old, an adult and a teacher. And we don't think that that maybe affected the votes of some governments in the Caribbean and in Africa. I mean, these people read the newspapers too. And, and that's quite shocking. Canadians seem to have accepted the Prime Minister's apologies for this. But I'm not sure the world has. Uh, with, uh, on more serious issues, uh, Trudeau did not show up in Japan to sign a trade deal with the leaders of Japan and uh, uh, with uh, the leaders of Japan and Australia and Vietnam. And we expected, and they expected, the deal was going to be done. They literally were sitting in the room, and the prime minister never showed up, and they, his people never had the courtesy to even tell those uh, fellows that he wasn't coming. That harmed Canada all the time when I've been in Australia and Japan. It's the first thing they bring up. No traction in Canada on this, but very bad. The fact the Prime Minister's biggest thing overseas was to wear cool socks, well, that may have titillated or amused some Canadians. But in the motorcycle gang of nations, which is what is out there, uh, yeah. they look at this stuff and say, what kind of leader do you really have? We have less than two minutes here, Matthew, and I wanted to ask you just one more question. You know, trying to get this seat on, on the Security Council, we know that on security issues in, in this in this pro, in this this country that, um, you know, it, it's not looking too good. We're not spending the money that we need on our military. All sorts of factors there. That probably, that likely play, played a role as well. Well, it is the Security Council. And what yeah. Canada <laughs> went there with was... Uh, things Canada wanted to promote gender equity, uh, anti-racism, combating uh, uh, climate change. These are all worthy issues, but they're not the things you bring necessarily first and foremost to the UN Security Council. And most of the countries there, they're dictatorships. They don't want to hear this kind of stuff from Canada or anyone else. So the strategy was flawed. If you really wanted that seat, and I don't understand why we did, 
you shouldn't brand it with the prime minister who's kind of discredited overseas, and you shouldn't put out issues that the world doesn't want to discuss. They work well in Canada, fine. That's what helps gets the prime minister elected. But you want bigger things overseas, that is absolutely not the way to behave. Matthew, always good to talk with you. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, thank you very much. Hope to speak with you again. And take care. That's Matthew Fisher, inter an international affairs columnist. He's been, um, I think he's like the longest serving cor foreign correspondent in the country. He's been, you know, covering these stories from around the world for over 35 years now. Um, one of the one of the, the the lines in this article that he wrote says, having failed to get over or even. Uh, having failed to get over even the hurdle of the first ballot, Prime Minister Trudeau has embarrassed the country and achieved the result he least wanted. You can read the full article at globalnews.ca.